2: I inherited a deal that President Trump negotiated with the Taliban. Under his agreement, U.S. forces would be out of Afghanistan by May 1, 2021, just a little over three months after I took office. U.S. forces had already drawn down during the Trump administration from roughly 15,500 American forces to 2,500 troops in country. And the Taliban was at its strongest militarily since 2001. The choice I had to make as your president was either to follow through on that agreement or be prepared to go back to fighting the Taliban in the middle of the spring fighting season. There would have been no ceasefire after May 1. There was no agreement protecting our forces after May 1. There was no status quo of stability without American casualties after May 1. There was only a cold reality of either following through on the agreement to withdraw our forces or escalating the conflict and sending thousands more American troops back into combat in Afghanistan, lurching into the third decade of conflict.
1: That was President Joe Biden, 10 minutes late for his address yesterday. People were speculating, you know, why is he 10 minutes late? Uh, what are they doing? Are they medicating him? What are they doing? What's happening back there? Uh, he seems to be all on his own, and I'm going to make a point about that in a few minutes that I think has merit. Uh, and um, But he's been shown all alone in the Situation Room. He stood uh, yesterday, earlier in the day before he made that speech. In fact, uh, let's listen to this. This is uh, clip two. Uh, no, clip three. As earlier in the afternoon, before he made the speech, he came back from Camp David, and this is what he said:
2: "I made a commitment that when I made a mistake, I'd tell you, and I've made mistakes. And when I think I got it right, I'll say it, but I'll take responsibility for what I do and say."
1: Yes, well, but uh, he's taking—he stands by his decision, and yet this morning, you know that people—you've probably seen the videos. If you haven't, I don't recommend the videos, but just know that people are. were clinging to the aircraft. They were crammed on the, uh, air, the runway of the airbase. The Afghans trying to get out. Desperate terror is how I've, des- I've heard it described. Terror uh, breaking out in Afghanistan at the thought of the Taliban coming through, who are going door to door, pulling out people that have cooperated with the, uh, the Americans and uh, doing the worst possible things to women and children and to men. Uh, beheadings, all kinds of horrible things. But Joe Biden is unflappable. He stands by his decision. Um, and so his decision also has left, according to sources, 30,000 Americans behind. And other sources I've read this morning don't think there's any way we can get them out. We had already uh, relinquished one of the air bases uh, to the Taliban, and that was Bagram. And that's the one that where they had all the prisoners that were held, 7,000. Hardcore terrorists who have been released, and they gave them uh, the airport. So we have one airport, which is trying to get people out. So Afghans on the runway were running. Some were climbing up on the airplane as it was taxiing. Uh, They were trying to hang on, and as the airplane went off in a distance, you could see bodies flying. It did look... Like 9/11, I'll never forget, and I know you won't either. And I won't belabor that. People falling out of the towers—the disaster, it's disaster—and people so desperate to get out of Afghanistan that they were willing to take such a ridiculous risk. There are reports of bodies falling on roofs. There are lots of pictures of which I didn't look. I can't stand that stuff. I just read about them. People. Uh, bodies of people landing on roofs uh, when they were falling from the planes. It's a disaster. But Joe Biden stands by his decision. He stands by his decision. And he made it. It was his decision. Mike Pompeo was on with Chris Wallace on Sunday. And Chris, of course, was, you know, because he hates Trump as much as he does, uh, he was pressing Pompeo. Pompeo was, of course, the Secretary of State uh, under uh, Donald Trump. And so Mike Pompeo, Uh, Defended, Of course, Joe Biden is blaming Trump for leaving him this situation. Mike Pompeo stepped up to the plate, and this is what he said.
5: If the risks weren't so serious, Chris, it'd be pathetic. I wouldn't have let my 10-year-old son get away from this kind of pathetic blame shifting. Uh, He should be less focused on trying to uh, blame this on someone else than to solving the problem of making sure that we protect and defend American security. Chris, it's worth noting this did not happen on our watch. We reduced our forces significantly. And the Taliban didn't advance on capitals all across Afghanistan. So it's just a, a plain old fact that this is happening under the Biden administration's leadership now almost a quarter of our way into his first term. This is this is not the way leaders lead by pointing backwards. We had a bad deal. We inherited the JCPOA. We got out of it. We secured America from the risk from Iran We inherited a horrible deal in Syria where ISIS controlled real estate the size of Great Britain. We crushed them. Every president confronts challenges. This president confronted a challenge in Afghanistan. He has utterly failed to protect the American people from this challenge.
1: Yes, I think who could deny that? Who could deny that this morning as we watch what's happening in Afghanistan? So, Joe Biden, uh, I just want to give you a little another excerpt in his speech before I make my next point. This is Joe Biden standing squarely behind his decision. Clip two.
2: I stand squarely behind my decision. After 20 years, I've learned the hard way that there was never a good time to withdraw U.S. forces. That's why we're still there. We were clear eyed about the risks. We plan for every contingency. But I always promise the American people that I will be straight with you. The truth is, this did unfold more quickly than we had anticipated. So what's happened? Afghanistan political leaders gave up and fled the country. The Afghan military collapsed sometime without trying to fight. If anything, The developments of the past week reinforced that ending U.S. military involvement in Afghanistan now was the right decision. American troops cannot and should not be fighting in a war and dying in a war that Afghan forces are not willing to fight for themselves.
1: All right. So I'm interrupting. So it's the Afghan forces fault. It's uh, President Trump's fault. Uh, and Biden stands firmly behind his decision. None of what's happening is his fault. And so Brian Williams interviewed, a, I think, as a CIA operative. I don't know if he's current or former. His name is Matt Zeller. And I want you to hear their exchange after, the, directly after Biden's speech. Let's listen.
6: So I'm curious to hear your reaction of this consequential speech by the American president. Didn't run from it. He owned it. He owned his decision. He owned the fact that, as he put it, the buck stops with him.
7: I hope he gets to own their deaths too. I, I don't, I feel like I watched a different speech than the rest of you guys. I was appalled. There was such a profound, bold faced lie in that speech. The idea that we planned for every contingency. I have been personally trying to tell this administration since it took office. I've been trying to tell our government for years that this was coming. We sent them plan after plan on how to evacuate these people. Nobody listened to us. They didn't plan for the evacuation of our Afghan wartime allies. They're trying to conduct it now at the 11th hour. The thing that they were most concerned about was the optics of a chaotic evacuation. Well, they got exactly what they were most concerned of by failing to do what was right when we could have done it. We had all the people and equipment in place to be able to save these people months ago, and we did nothing. I'm appalled that he thinks we only need to take 2,000 people. There's 86,000 people who are currently left behind in Afghanistan alone. We've identified all of them for the government. I have no idea why they, 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 he claims that people don't want to leave Afghanistan. I have a list of 14,000 names right now of people who want to get out of Afghanistan. And the idea that the Afghan military should be blamed for this Do you know how many casualties the Afghan military took in an average year? More than the United States did in 20. When you're not getting paid on a regular basis, when you're not getting fuel, when no one is supplying you with ammunition and yet you're still showing up to the fight, how dare us for having to blame these people for not having the audacity to be able to survive a Taliban onslaught. No, no, no. What we need to be doing right now and what I am appalled that the president didn't say was we need to be talking about how we're going to get every single one of these people out.
1: It was Brian Williams, and of course his guest, uh, Matt Zeller. So on MSNBC, uh, Brian Williams was sorted out, and that was a good thing. But on CNN, across the you know just really across the hall because they in DC the the headquarters are very close to each other. That's actually not true. What I just said, uh, CNN moved out, but um, CNN uh, featured one of their uh, anchors, her Brianna Keller is her is her name. Brianna's is always you know. Um, she's certainly not on the right. She's on the left. She's a CNN reporter. And so this was very interesting. Uh, this is her, uh, conversation with one of president Biden's, uh, representatives on the, on the East lawn of the white house clip six, where, where is the president? You know, why, why isn't he communicating fulsomely to the American people?
7: The president has been deeply engaged in all of the policy conversations and in this situation as it evolves in real time. We have uh, met with the president and his entire national security team uh, daily, and often multiple times a day. That's going to continue uh, again today. Uh, the president has spoken to this issue a number of times in, in recent weeks. He, we expect he has not looked, to John,
1: totally different story than a few weeks ago, right? I mean, why isn't he out there now? Kabul fell yesterday. Where is the president?
7: Uh, I mean, again, uh, Brianna, the president has spoken to this extensively, and I expect that he will speak to it again soon.
1: Soon. In the coming days, should we hear something from him today? Do you expect that? It seems like the moment demands that.
7: I'm not going to get ahead of uh, uh, both decision making and announcements on this. All I can say at this point is that we expect the president again to address uh, the American people on Afghanistan. And as soon as we have more to say about that, we will.
1: All right. That was uh, National Security Deputy National Security Advisor Jonathan Feiner. So he's advising the president of national security. And when you see him, he's young. He's like the typical, uh, you know, I hate America millennial. Okay, I'm jumping to a conclusion, but that that's what he looked like, of course, as, you, as though you could tell that by looks. But uh, he was the person talking. Brianna uh, Kyler, I think it's K-E-I-L-E-R, is the CNN chick, and she's coming after him. Where is the president? Why isn't he speaking today? And that's CNN. So how does that happen? And I, I think I have a theory about this. Why did Joe Biden, people have asked, Appear by himself in that Situation Room and from Camp David, all by himself, with a notepad. No one else at the table watching what was happening in Afghanistan. It was very strange, and people keep talking about that. And um, I have a theory, and the theory goes like this: Whoever is behind the curtain pulling the levers wanted Joe Biden once. Joe Biden to take responsibility for this. They're making it seem as though he made that decision all by himself, right? He says, I take full responsibility. They put him out there to make that speech. It was me, me, me. I made the decision. Me, me, me. And, of course, Joe Biden loves that because he's such a narcissist. So he's happy to say that. I sort of doubt he was the one who made that total decision. It's turned out to be a disaster, and now someone has to pay for that, right? Right. So this is what I think. I think that the powers that be are putting Joe Biden out there that they knew exactly what they were doing when they put him in that picture all by himself in that situation room at Camp David because they want him to take the blame. He's become an albatross, a problem to them. They can't manage him. And someone has to take the blame. And if he takes the blame and has to step aside, well, then they're free from the the encumbrance of all that blame. And I think that also explains why CNN and other leftist outlets are suddenly getting onto Joe Biden because they got the memo. It's okay to do that now because I suspect, okay this is just me talking and I haven't heard anyone else say that. I suspect they're preparing us for Joe Biden to be removed from the scene in some form or fashion so that this Afghanistan fiasco can uh, be swept aside and there's no blame for anybody that will take that new office. That's what I think. So let's just see if this happens. And if I'm right, it doesn't give me any pleasure to be right. I guess some certain satisfaction of insight, but that's it. We'll be right back. Sandy Rios in the morning.
0: You know, if you feel like you're stuck with a healthcare plan that isn't affordable or you simply don't like it right now is a great time to switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 a month when they join MediShare and what's more they like it. Metashare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to the typical health insurance plan. That's double. So you get a massive network of providers to choose from. You get telehealth services, and Metashare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. It's been around for more than 25 years, shared more than $4 billion in healthcare bills. Here's why now really is the time to make the switch to. You can start saving each month, which is huge, but right now they'll waive your joining fee. So you'll save another $170 right off the bat. But again, it's a limited time offer. You got to call now. And it only takes two minutes to find out how much you'd save by switching. Here's the number 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE.
4: Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University, where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting "go visit" to the number four nine five nine six. Again, that's "go visit" to the number four nine five nine six. The dispatches from Afghanistan have gone from bad to worse. Afghanistan has fallen. Thousands of Americans and Afghani allies are trapped, and the only patch of land we control is the Kabul airport. Among those missing in action are President Biden and White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Reporters reaching out for a comment about the breaking news received a note from Ms. Saki announcing she was on vacation for the rest of the week. President Biden has yet to address the nation, not even so much as a pre-recorded message. And the White House says it may be several days before he gets around to making a statement. The American people deserve to know why the commander-in-chief is hiding at Camp David. Has President Biden suffered some sort of a medical issue? Has he become incapacitated? We are in the middle of a national crisis. American lives are in jeopardy. Now more than ever, we need to hear from the president. I'm Todd Starnes.
5: Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Last night, I'm going to just start with the list of things that happened. So at 1030 last night, um, uh, Tina Peters, her, uh, um, another guy with her that's here, his house got raided four children, and his house got everything taken, all electronics and everything. I, last night, when I got to the hotel, I was attacked.
1: Oh, that was a short comment. That was Mike Lindell. And uh, the symposium, voter symposium, took place last week. I've talked to you a great deal about it. I uh, suggested that you go to frankspeech.com and watch. And uh, it's there are so many hours of it, it's very difficult to report on it. And Uh, And do what I do. So, uh, someone who's very much at the heart of what's going on with this uh, this assessment of what happened on the November third election, the presidential election, and the down ballot races too, is uh, Pat Colbeck. And Pat is, of course, is Pat Cadell. (laughs) Pat Cadell was a friend of mine. Anyway, Pat, uh, Pat, gosh, I can't even talk. Colbeck is our guest this morning. He's a former state senator from Michigan and. Pat's been my guest often. He is a treasure, really. Uh, he is a former aerospace engineer. He also uh, has been very involved with the Lindell organization on, uh, you know, trying to get to the bottom of what's happened on November the 3rd. His website, by the way, is a great uh, source of information. It's letsfixstuff.com, letsfixstuff.com. Pat, good morning. Thanks for joining us.
9: Oh, top of the morning to you, and by the way, for your listeners' benefit, <laughs> you were trying to get a hold of me and, and wrap up everything that was going on last week, but it was a pretty fluid situation, and uh, to my apologies, we weren't, we weren't able to connect earlier.
1: Oh, no, that, you know what, Pat, uh, um, anybody watching that understood I, I, that you were right in the thick of that on the stage, and you guys were like, I don't know, did you broadcast 24 hours a day? It sure seemed that way. How, how many hours a day?
9: No, it was pretty much from 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, central time, to about 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night, and then then the rest would be looped and repeated afterwards. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was an interesting marathon for that, uh, not just the three days of the symposium, but for the days leading up to uh, the symposium, because new data seemed like it was coming in on a daily basis. Uh, But the bottom line is, coming out of the symposium, I know it's tough to sort through all of it, but, but one of the key takeaways is that we had representation from 49 out of 50 states at this um, event, and uh, wow. it brought people together at a time when we're being told that we can't talk about election fraud. Well, we were talking about election fraud, and we were swapping information from state to state, and the legislators from, uh, Quite a few of these states that were in attendance formed what's called an election integrity caucus, and they're pushing for a full forensic audit of all 50 states. This isn't a Republican versus Democrat issue. This is about an integrity of our election issue and the future of our constitutional republic. So that was a very, very key takeaway on it. Plus, there's a lot of technical discussions as well that I think people might find interesting.
1: Yes, and I do. I realize uh, we can't say everything, but we can say some things. Um I actually, before we get into the, the 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 meat of it, and we must get into the meat of it because that's the main story. But I do want to talk just for a second. I do know because I did watch Mike's Mike Lindell's uh, description of how he was attacked in his hotel. It was very strange. Uh, some strange. Yeah. He's he shouldn't have more protection than he has. That's my takeaway from this, as that someone came up, um, kind of coattailed on someone else taking a picture. And to put his arm around uh Mike for a picture, claiming he wanted one, and then it sort of used uh, to attack Mike under the arm. I was asking my husband, who's a former FBI agent, you know how how dangerous is that if someone goes under your arm and then pr- applies pressure in certain places he said that's a very vulnerable area of the body, and it is dangerous and so Mike was describing that, and people were mocking him for that, but that's it's not funny, but other really bad things happened, Pat i Um, I know that he talks about this, Tina Peters. You were flying her in from Colorado, right? And that was, she had knowledge of what happened. Talk about that. What what were you expecting and what happened with that?
9: Well, first, I want to put in context the attack upon Mike. I I was a former state legislator, and I used to have people come up to me, and um, there's an old Saulinsky tactic that says that the action is in the reaction. So what they were trying to do was get Mike to respond while they had the cameras rolling, by, you know, giving the guy a wheelhouse, you know, punch or something like that, and uh, then making that the story about the event. Um, So it's a tactic where they try to force you into responding in a way that would make you, that would embarrass you or try to diminish your effect on people. So that's kind of one of the key things. Now, when it comes to the Mesa County discussion... Hang on a second. Can I just jump
1: in? And and the point I think you want to make is that Mike did not react. He didn't give them what they right, wanted. He
9: did not. Yeah. No, no. Okay. He was actually talking to him. I mean, he's pretty street smart from his early days, if you will, the, the, yes. the, the days that he's overcome here. And uh, and he, he knew what was going on and he just smiled for the camera. And uh, that's not what the, the reaction that they were hoping for. And that's what happens. And that's a word to the wise for all elected officials that are listening to your show right now that that the action that they're seeking is in your reaction. So they know Mm -hmm. that uh, we're not going to naturally go off and do something to embarrass us, but what they'll do is poke the bear and try to provoke us into an action that they can make into news. Yeah. All right. So
1: Tina Peters. Yeah. So he handled it beautifully, really. All right. So Tina Peters, Colorado.
9: So Tina Peters, what they did is they found out that they had images of, uh, computer, uh, the Dominion's um, configuration before and after uh, a service uh, appointment by a Dominion um, representative. And what they found was that the configuration of that computer was changed significantly, and, and there was information that has uh, been erased or deleted, and they're still going down and doing a detailed forensic analysis, so I don't want to be too premature on it because a lot of this was just breaking news at the time. And what they seem to have indication of is a violation of federal law where you're supposed to protect the integrity of election records for 22 months after the election. And um, and because they have a version of the, uh, they have an image of the software installation before the, the service call and after the service call, and they appear to have some differences between the two, although there's some debate as to what degree of differences there are right now. It's still early. Um, if what they believe is true—that there are significant changes to it—that would indicate violation of federal law.
1: So, Pat, th- is this Dominion?
9: Yes, and it's okay. not. This is just one example of something that's happening all across the country, where there appears to be a concerted effort to cover their tracks. We have in Michigan election sources going around and re- removing the battery packs from their ICX machines, um, which is one of their their uh, voter assistance terminal technology. And when you remove the battery pack, what the concern is for folks like me is that when you remove that, and you re you, the next time you turn that machine on, you're going to reset all your server connections. So all the um, phone numbers, if you will, I mean the the IP addresses that these devices were connecting with and and submitting their election results or possibly even receiving commands from, all those settings now are erased whenever those machines are turned back on. So you think, but you're not sure. Uh,
1: you think, but you're not sure. That's
9: that's what happened in the actual contract for Dominion. It's what I went through, and this is an article posted at let Org. I went through and looked at what happens when you re- when you power up your machine, and one of the things that's going to happen is you're going to be prompted for a reinitialization of your server settings. And when they, the other remarkable thing about that here in Michigan with these election stores, they. They sent out a letter to the clerk saying, we're going to perform preventative maintenance on your machines. Well, they actually have the preventative maintenance checklist in their contract, and it does not include removal of the batteries.
1: Okay. Okay, so so that's in process, too, trying to figure that out. So it's Dominion that Absolutely. Tina Peters yeah. was going to talk about. Now, Tina, is what happened with her home, her office? What happened as she got into the plane we, and started to come to the conference?
9: Yeah, she her home was raided, so she's concerned about her safety. She doesn't know if she can go back home yet. I don't know what the details are since the event and what's happened with Tina. Actually, I'm sorry, I can't okay. fill in the blanks right. on that.
1: Well, that's that's uh that's the story right there, at least the the, hu- the initial part of that. And so she's afraid, but she still gave her information.
9: Yes, yeah, well, she was afraid. She was supported by a couple of her friends out at the wow. event, and so she's got a wow. good support network, but. This is a case where there's very few clerks that are willing to go off and stand up because they're threatened with lawsuits. And whenever you go off and say, hey, this isn't correct, I want somebody to come in and look at these machines, this doesn't seem to be right, every single time that happens, the clerk is threatened with lawsuits. We've had lots of clerks here in Michigan that were willing to go off and allow us to go off and do an analysis of their configuration on their machines, and they're ready to roll, and then 24 hours later, after they've talked to their attorneys, they say, sorry, we can't do that. And it turns out that all these contracts um, are centralized. The clerks have very little authority in it. They're all centralized around, in our case, the the Michigan Secretary of State. And Dominion has full authority (laughs) over what happens to these machines under these contracts. It's very interesting. Uh, Usually you don't, Usually, it's uh, they're the client, right? Or they're—I mean, we're the client. It's the Secretary of State. It's the people. But in this case, it seems like um, we're told what we're supposed to do, and it's like uh, Dominion. very disheartening from a contract person Yeah, exactly.
1: Well, and this—and this last week, while you guys were in the symposium, Dominion and whatever—I don't know the timeline or why—but suddenly we find out that Dominion's doubling down on this lawsuit. Uh, to Mike Lindell and to C- Sidney yeah. Powell and uh, Rudy Giuliani, and I'm not sure who else. So, uh, so what was what's the response to that? Early on, Mike Lindell had said, "I welcome that because the we'll finally get the information yep. out in a, in a court of law." Is he still saying that?
9: Yeah, Mike's excited about it because it leads to what's known as discovery, which means he can ask for communications. Um, he can find out information, like maybe all the missing information from Maricopa County in Arizona that Dominion won't provide in support of that audit. So that's what excites Mike. And I'll tell you what a true hero is. The idea that he's going to go out there and subject himself to what is pure hell, frankly, through this legal process, just for the sake of getting to the truth, is remarkable. Not too many people would go off and do that.
1: No, I no, I think the same thing, Pat. I think this. Just the risk he's taking with his own business, Uh, he has been so successful. And uh, removing his advertising from Fox, which I'm sure was a big part of of the money he was making because of that audience, because he's been banned from so many stores because of his uh, pursuing of this election integrity thing. I mean, you can't have an opinion anymore. You can't, uh, uh, you know, and he must be destroyed. I think that's pretty much the way they feel. I do hope he's getting some security now because uh, yeah. they will destroy him if they can. And that takes me to you uh, because, um, well, let me just mention a couple of other things. Mike mentioned that some guy's house was raided with his children, and one of your guys had a heart attack, right, one of the guys presenting?
9: Um, I don't recall anybody at the event having a heart attack.
1: Well, the um, night before, not not in, not present there, but a guy who was going to present. Anyway, and then uh, makes me think of you also, Pat, um, you talked about this is before the symposium about things that were yeah. happening to you in the state of Michigan. You have been, you've gone through a rough time yourself, right?
9: Well, they threatened, you know, investigation of, of me uh, for going out and talking to people about election fraud. Um, they've uh, accused me of being a grifter, so I responded with a little post. You can go to uh, exposeelectionfraud.com. Everybody can see every dime I've made on anything since uh, since July. So that's just simply not true. I mean, matter of fact, my wife and I have taken significant financial sacrifice to go off and do this because this is it. I mean, um, and so we realize that this election fraud is the issue of our time. There's there's no tomorrow if we don't go off and address what happened here. We believe that um, the election was stolen um, and uh, that the um, you know, all the issues that we're having right now up in D.C., uh, whether it's a um, president that uh, um, should be leading right now, but is uh, hiding out of Camp David, whether or not it's um, whether or not we have the real Senate majority leader there because of everything that we've seen regarding these elections and who actually should have been elected to U.S. Senate across the country. Same thing with Congress. We may have an illegitimate uh, speaker of the House. This is concerning because of all the policies that everybody is rightly upset about that are coming out of D.C., there's only one kerplunk stick that, if you pull it out, fixes every single one of those issues, and that is getting right with the 2020 election. Now, I know a lot of people are saying, can we do anything about that right now? Well, you know what? I didn't know we had a good path to getting a forensic audit here in Michigan up until a few months ago when one of our reps stood up with courage and introduced a bill to call for that. And then that led to a total of four reps being public in support. And you know what? That led to 10 reps discussing how we could go off and do that. And that led to a majority of the Republican caucus now being in favor of a forensic audit. So, you know, the um, we all remember what happened. We, you know, that's all that it, all it God requires is for somebody to take that first step and the water's part after you take the first step, not before. <laughs> yeah. And and we just need people stepping up in courage, asserting, no, this is what needs to be done. Just because it hasn't been done before in the past doesn't mean it can't be done now. And I'll tell you, in this last election cycle, we've already had two revotes, one in Mississippi and one in New Jersey, because the judge determined that it was a fraudulent election. So um, I'm not going to say it's easy, but um, we do need um, righteousness to be pursued here. And, yeah. and if we give up on that rule of law, we give up on the integrity yeah. of our election, yeah. we give up on America. And I, yeah. I, for one, I'm not willing to go down that path.
1: Yeah, me either, Pat. So uh, can you hang on for another segment with me? Absolutely. You probably can't say, you probably don't want to say no, because even if you had to go, you probably wouldn't want to go because you weren't able to join me last week. (laughs) No, but I I want you to be free, uh, of your own free will, join me for the next segment. But what I want to do, (laughs) Pat, is (laughs) I want to talk about uh, the the nuts and bolts. We've alluded to it, but let's talk about the content of the symposium and who was there. That's interesting, too, to me, the press. Uh, And I also want to point out, I've been talking about Afghanistan Pillar to Post We understand that things are falling apart. We also understand we're in grave danger. And we're in in grave danger for a reason, and that's because of the election on November 3rd. So this never could have been more relevant than it is today. Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk.
0: In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality.
9: I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up.
2: The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in
0: Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net.
3: Hi, this is Pastor Robert Morris. I'm often asked, how do I grow in my relationship with the Lord? How do I hear God? What is God's plan and purpose for me? I want to personally invite you to join me on Sunday mornings right here on AFR for Worship and the Word, and we will discover the answer to these questions together. We'll explore the truths found in God's Word that will help you strengthen your faith and develop a more intimate relationship with
7: Him. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Police chiefs and sheriffs for police departments in America's largest cities released a study titled Report on the 2020 Protests and Civil Unrest through the Major Cities Chiefs Association Intelligence Commanders Group. The study revealed that 90 percent of these departments discovered protests in their jurisdictions were agitated by people who traveled there from out of state. They reported all across the country, protesters seemed to coordinate their movements and actions as if the violence and tactics were pre-planned. The chiefs also reported that many protesters were paid to agitate. The study was released in October 2020. Why isn't this national news?
8: Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. When an unplanned pregnancy happens to a mom in crisis, pre-born clinics are there.
4: I was extremely scared. The father did not want the child, and he had made me choose him or the baby.
8: This mother chose life after meeting with pre-born counselors and seeing her baby on ultrasound.
4: I just felt so blessed in the hand of God on me, so strong. And I knew then on, I was going to serve God and I was going to keep this child and I was going to love him just like God loved me so unconditionally.
8: Preborn centers met this mom in her darkest hour, helping her to choose not only life for her baby, but life in Jesus.
4: He was our little miracle child. God's timing was
7: impeccable.
8: Preborn clinics are the largest providers of free ultrasounds in America, introducing moms to their preborn babies and helping them choose life. To find out more, visit preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby.
6: This is Frank Effney with the Secure Freedom Minute. America Last has emerged as an organizing principle of the Biden wrecking operation. Examples abound. To pick one, the president has deep-sixed the Keystone XL pipeline and undermined U.S. energy independence. But he cleared the way for the Russian Nord Stream 2 pipeline that will make our allies more reliant on a hostile power for natural gas. Here's another. Illegal immigrants have been allowed into and distributed all over our country without regard for their predictable contribution to upticks in COVID-19 and other public health crises. Yet Americans are being told they must mask up, lock down, and show their papers. Now, amidst the catastrophe in Afghanistan brought on by the Biden bug-out, the Pentagon will not give priority to Americans awaiting extraction, and somehow will find space to bring some 30,000 Afghan refugees to military bases here. Restore America first. This is Frank Gaffney.
0: Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the Morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the Morning on
3: American Family Radio. After the 2018 midterm elections, an investigation was launched to delve into irregularities in the U.S. election results. Detailed logs documented entries into the tabulation system for the election itself and the team saw many anomalies in areas of extreme concern. Then in November 2020, multiple groups of concerned Americans came together because they all observed something incredible in the 2020 general elections. The groups united to launch a full-scale investigation led by former members of the U.S. intelligence community, the Department of Defense, NASA, the U.S. National Laboratories, private investigations and cybersecurity companies, and legal firms from around the country. The discoveries gained through intense forensic research left everyone involved deeply concerned about the future of our nation and our world. While the US media will undoubtedly discredit this information as far-right conspiracy theory, the fact is the people involved in this investigation represent all colors, all creeds, and all political parties. To ignore this message is to surrender to a government takeover that will gravely affect the lives of every man, woman, and child of every nation. If there ever was an authentic, nonpartisan issue, this is
7: it.
1: That was the voice of Colonel James Waldron. Uh, he is retired. He served with the U.S. Army for 30 years. He's a decorated combat veteran. He has extensive operational experience in surveillance and rec- reconnaissance, str- <laughs> strategic communications, joint information operations, special technical operations, cyber computer network operations a lot more, and he's very much involved uh, in this effort to get to the bottom of what happened on November the 3rd. Uh, Pat Kolbeck is my guest this morning, and before Pat, you join me, I just want to give people some good news, or at least some signs of hope. Uh, uh, Now, there could be an update on this story. This was from last week. The Arizona Attorney General has agreed to investigate uh, Maricopa County's failure to comply with a subpoena from the states, from the senators, because they're trying to get some information. Again, I think it's Dominion uh, software and devices or thumb drives that they are. I don't. I don't know the technology, but they're they're trying to get that. They thought it was covered under the first subpoena, but Dominion's refusing to hand it over now. Texas also. You know that the uh, speaker of the house in Texas uh, said threatened to arrest the Democrats that fled to uh, D.C. Who then some of them got COVID. Uh, they really got themselves in a mess, and now they're back, and uh, they actually had to come back on the floor because. The people in Texas in that house were dogged in their pursuit, so they passed these election reform, the election reform bill that they were trying to resist. So that's, that's good news. And also there's a couple of other—I um, want to tell you that in Virginia— Virginia and uh, New Jersey are the only states that have elections this year. So in regard to Virginia, I, I'm sorry I didn't mention this sooner because I didn't know about it, but there is, a, uh, there is a meeting called the Virginia Election Integrity Summit. And it's happening this weekend. It's a Saturday, August 21st and 22nd in Richmond. If you look at Virginia Institute for Public Policy, you can get a registration. Virginia Institute for Public Policy. And it's going to be featuring uh, Jay Christian Adams, our, my good friend who fills in for me, Cleta Mitchell, um, uh, also who's incredible. These are election experts. And the whole idea is, of course, that uh, Virginia is really uh, – Virginia is fighting they're fighting in so many different fronts, but this is a way for you to fight, and that's if you're a voter as well if you're some someone involved in the election process. So that's Virginia Institute for Public Policy. It's taking place this Saturday in, um, in Richmond, Saturday, August the 21st, the Election Integrity Summit. So there you go. All right, Pat, uh, let's get back to brass tacks here. At the symposium last week, give us the headlines of what you thought uh, – people can just can hang on to and remember? What did you learn from it?
9: Well, first of all, we had a, a forum, just like what you're talking about in Virginia, where we could actually talk about election fraud. That's the last thing that people want to be talking about right now. But here we are nine months after the election and we're still talking about it. And, and that is because it's true and we need to get to the bottom of it. So key takeaways are, number one, keep talking about election fraud. Right. They Everything that they try to do to censor this requires big events like the Cyber Symposium. It shouldn't require big events for us to be able to share this information. It should be on nightly news, every single development that you were talking about regarding Arizona, regarding Texas. But it's not usually. It's the press. So we need to keep getting the word out. The other thing that I want to point out, we already talked about the Election Integrity Caucus, um, which is being formed uh, across the entire country here. And uh, we're calling for audits in Republican states, the supermajority states like Montana, um, as well as battleground states like Michigan and and Arizona and Pennsylvania. So there's a call all across the country which needs to continue. We have to protect uh, the integrity of our election. Another key thing, let's get down to the techie side a little bit. One of the things that we wanted to show everybody there was how easy it was to hack into a system. And by the way, I know we've mentioned Dominion today, but this applies to all of our electronic voting systems in in the country, unfortunately. And uh, this is a case where there's common software, common bones on each of these um, uh, systems. And one of the key features of all of them is a piece of software called SQL Server Management Studio. Well, our technical experts that were part of Mike Lindell's red team designed to go off and look at the forensic data um, that he had access to, uh, they developed what was, we called it a mock election. And what we did is we walked people through the steps of going out a ballot, scanning that ballot, sharing that ballot with a server over a network, and then hacking into that network um, to show how those votes can be changed. And it was very revealing to the attendees because this system was not connected to the Internet. It was connected to a Wi-Fi router. And what I challenged people to do at the event was, Go ahead. Yeah, here's the name of our, I mean, all you have to do is call up your cell phone, look for Wi-Fi networks. The network that we have this on is called um, it was, um, Minion uh, Wireless, I think it was called. And I said, we challenge you to hack into this system. And, you know, it wasn't uh, 10 minutes later that I got up at the podium and announced that it indeed was hacked in. They changed the administrative password on the router. They um, uh, took down our voting system. And uh, we had to reboot and reset everything. And that sent a chill over most of the folks in the audience on how easy it was to be done. We didn't state this for somebody to, we had somebody in the audience to go off and demonstrate it. This was just one of our attendees uh, who hacked into the system via his cell phone. He had a Samsung S8 Galaxy. And while we were doing the presentations, he hacked into that system. And uh, and it just demonstrates how easy it is to corrupt these electronic voting systems.
1: So, Pat, in terms of the presentations for the three days, I think three uh, long days, uh, did you focus all on the electronics, the voter machines, or were there other discussions of other kind of voter fraud?
9: Well, I highlighted one of my presentations was on the big picture of how elections are supposed to work and how they are vulnerable. And my big focus was on the term chain of custody around election records. A lot of people just focus on the integrity of the ballots and doing recounts. I highlight why that's insufficient to determine whether or not you had integrity in your election. You have to look upstream as well, which means you have to look at the statewide voter registration files. You need to look at the poll books, which are precinct-specific extracts of those statewide voter registration files. And uh, and that then you have to look at what happens in those poll books. Those poll books are the gatekeepers for people that want to get a ballot and cast a vote. So if they break through that gate, um, which is uh, you, the, the poll workers use these poll books to be that gate, um, then everything downstream is in question, including the vote tallies themselves. So what you'll notice in Arizona is uh, a prime example of this. What they announced a few weeks ago was that, seventy four thousand uh, mail in ballots were sent out or were 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 um flagged as being cast in that election, but they have no record of them ever being sent out, which tells me that somebody didn't do any work uh, the proper work in the poll book or somebody was just stuffing the ballots into the ballot box um to the tune of seventy four thousand votes and I think the margin was around ten uh, uh, the reported margin of victory for president was around ten thousand votes so That is pretty significant. Um, And so um, that's one of the other things we wanted to highlight. Frankly, there's a lot of discussion around something called a PCAP. That stands for packet capture. And we demonstrated in our mock election what a PCAP actually was. It's a a message traffic going back and forth um, between devices. And it highlights the importance of chain of custody um, that you can... It's very easy to see when you're in physical space when I seal up a statement of votes in an envelope and put a put a uh, tape seal over the top, and I, I'm pretty sure that that tape seal hasn't been opened when I receive it. I can check that physically. It's much more difficult to do an electronic voting system. And that's why all this information that they're asking for in Arizona regarding the routers is so important, because we want to see that message traffic. Um, and so that chain of custody is one of the key takeaways I would recommend to everybody is that, Every data transfer that happens in elections should feature a check-out and a check-in for every single transfer. And that's what we're trying to track down in context of these forensic audits. And anybody who wants to block the um, discovery of that information um, more than likely is trying to hide something, and we can't let that happen.
1: You know, Pat, that uh, I don't know if you missed this. You could have missed this this weekend. Actually, I'm frantically looking for it while you're talking, and so far haven't. But uh, an article came out last week about how they've uh, uncovered a meeting or a symposium symposium yeah. of the Podesta brothers, or at least a, a, a Tony um, Podesta. Not maybe Tony. Anyway, the one that was the campaign manager for Hillary, and uh, how they were meeting together but to talk about potential voter fraud uh, that um and they talked about ch- chain of custody they talked about voting machines and how they were yeah. you know how untrustworthy they were it, if it if the names were changed it would probably yeah. describe a <laughs> lot of what you guys talked about at the Lindell symposium really
9: absolutely yeah we had one of the experts in the HBO documentary kill chain named Harry Hursty, in attendance at the conference and he was stating all the things that we're stating about the vulnerabilities of electronic voting systems in a documentary released as early as or as late as uh, March, 2020. And the election, of course, was in November, 2020. There were no uh, modifications or improvements that were accomplished between that time period. Yet now Harry's on the side of the fence. that says that there's no such thing as election fraud in this election. Well, you know what? Um, That's, that's kind of tough to believe. I mean, I, I, I believe what he said in the Kill Chain documentary. I saw what was available, what was possible, and uh, I believe that happened in the November election.
1: Yes, and I should explain that they were setting up a narrative uh, to. Uh, they said, "Remember that Trump stole the election." That was a narrative that they started, and they were setting up their narrative to to deny him the legitimacy of his presidency. That was that's what that was right. all about. So exactly. All right. So. Uh, I guess the obvious question, Pat, is what's next. I think you might have answered that. Uh, because oh, oh, on one other practical question before we run out of time, my understanding is that uh, Mike brought in, you know, he ad, asked a lot of press. It wasn't an open forum. And then I read that he yep. gave CNN front row seats. What I mean, what can you say about that?
9: <laughs> he brought in a lot of folks. And, and one of the, the key themes of this up front was we wanted people to be skeptical about the information shared. We want people to be able to ask questions. Um, and, uh, all those questions, they may not, um, back up all your assertions, but we got to be able to ask those questions. And so he brought in folks like CNN. Um, I can tell you some of the other folks that he brought in, um, were folks, uh, he invited, uh, that made, he made welcome like, uh, that, that did not view things the way we did. They were skeptical that there was any election fraud in this election. He wanted them to come in and check it out. Um, so, um. Anyway, he, I, I can tell you what the attitude was. He definitely wanted folks that were to uh, challenge our assertions.
1: Yeah, and he also offered a reward for anyone that could uh, present evidence to refute the findings that you guys presented. And I'm assuming that award was not uh, award was not given to anyone. Is that right?
9: There's uh, several challenges that I'm aware of on it, and really it was that I think the the way it was worded and the challenge was that anybody could disprove the validity of his uh, data that he's showing. And um, and so that's why everybody was looking for these PCAPs, because that would be essentially the check-in, check-out regarding all these data transfers. And yeah. I'll tell you, it's a, a lot of data that people were still sifting through. And... Um, I'm not sure all, all that uh, uh, people were satisfied with the information that was available at yeah. the time of the event in order to fit well, through all
1: that. So that's Pat, I, one I of guess the controversies. Could, I, I guess we could say with pretty, pretty good certainty that even though there may not be something tangible that's the next step, uh, you guys have given great yeah. information to listening ears, and now they're going out and uh, they're going to find their courage, just like you described people in Michigan. God willing, I think we're at a tipping point. We'll either be threatened I and silenced or we will, we will prevail in this thing. And so, uh, meanwhile, we're going to just keep slugging. Pat Kolbeck, again, yeah, re- his uh, let'sfixstuff.org. <laughs> Sorry, Let's Fix Stuff is his website. Sandy Rios in the morning.
8: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.